0: back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Boyson, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And as I do every time I come on these podcasts, I thank you out there, everybody in my listening audience who listened to the words of wisdom from our authors and spent years following these podcasts um, and the authors that I interview. And I have a returning author, uh, joining me from Michigan, and it's Mark Nepo. And Mark is the author of a new book that just came out called The One Life We're Given, Finding the Wisdom That Waits in Your Heart. A wonderful book. Good day to you, Mark. How are you?
1: Thank you. Great to be with you. And and you would no, not know this, but it's Nepo, but that's fine.
0: Nepo. Well, I should know. And I will make certain that I correct that in the brain. <laughs> That's all right. So, yeah, you know, I mean I know you've been around. You've been definitely the author of uh what is it? 18 books, 17 books. So you've got Yeah, yeah you've got a, a lot of uh background here plus some time. I'm going to let my listeners know a bit about you. Mark moved and inspires readers and seekers all over the world with his number one New York Times bestselling book, The Book of Awakening. Uh, Beloved as a poet, teacher, and storyteller, Mark has been called one of the finest spiritual guides of our time and a consummate storyteller and eloquent spiritual teacher. Uh, In 2015, he was given the Life Achievement Award by Age Nation, and in 2016, He was named Watkins' Mind, Body, Spirit as one of the 100 most spiritual, influential living people. Uh, Recent works includes the one we're going to talk about today, Inside the Miracles. It's a Sounds True selection um, by Spirituality and Health Magazine as one of the top Ten best books in 2015, and he's actually coming out with another uh, edition of poems uh, with spiritual uh, with uh, Sounds True. So look for that. I think uh, that's coming out what in September is that
1: Mark? That'll, that'll be November. That's called November. the Way Under the Way.
0: Yeah, awesome. I'm glad Tammy's doing that. Good friend and uh, good. A confidant Tammy is. He also was part of Oprah Winfrey's The Life You Want Tour in 2014 and has appeared several times with Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday program on OWN TV. He's also been interviewed by Robin Roberts on Good Morning America. The Exquisite Rifts was cited by Spirituality Practices as one of the best spiritual books in 2005. And you can actually get to Mark in a couple of ways um, it is just Mark Nepo, and that's the website, marknepo.com. The other way is threeintentions.com. That's T-H-R-E-E, I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-S.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-I-N-T-E-N-T-I-O-N-S.com. A couple of ways you can get to them. Obviously, if you go out onto YouTube as well for my listeners, you'll be able to find uh, plenty of videos with Mark, with Oprah. And you'll be able to find him, I'm sure, at Facebook and YouTube and all those good places. So we'll be mentioning at the end of this podcast some of his upcoming uh, areas where he's going to be working. Um, So the one life that we're given, Mark, you know, you start this book off with a great story about your father, a craftsman. It's interesting because my father was quite a craftsman as
1: well. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, he passed away at 93 just a few years ago. Um, And he was quite, you know, as you you called it, you'd watch him in the shop and you explain so eloquently the falling pieces of, of wood when he would be shaving things. And you mentioned that your father showed you Um, With the immersion in his work that throwing ourselves wholeheartedly into what we're given brings us alive, how would you recommend to my listeners out there to listen to their soul's calling and throw themselves into what makes them alive?
1: Well, you know, well, thank you for, for your kind intro. And, and I think that, and as we start here, you know, um, I want to also say that we're just comparing notes. You know, I don't, anything I share is an example, not necessarily an instruction. And I believe that we all have the, the wisdom uh, within us. And through relationship and comparing notes, we awaken those lights within each other. So, in that spirit, you know I, my experience is that it all starts and continues with with the smallest steps that are right before us that you know one of the miracles of being human is uh, you know we can fall down in a second but in the next second we can get back up and we open and close constantly and i can be you know numb this minute and clear and awake the next and so what all of this speaks to, to your question, is that we're constantly asked throughout every day to hold nothing back and return to being wholehearted. And the best way that I found to do that is by following uh, my care, by following my heart, whatever I'm drawn to, whatever, you know, if you see someone you love fall down, you re- you instinctively reach to help them up if you see something that that stirs your wonder we immediately ought, you know we instinctually move toward it and so I think that you know the soul the soul's one job is to stay as alive as possible mm-hmm. and, and our heart guides us there not in grand schemes but in in when the light comes through the tree and it makes us feel like, what, what's over there? i got to go see and what's over there. And then when we move toward it, a host of small miracles present themselves, whether it's through difficulty or through beauty.
0: Well, and I think it's having that awareness, too, to do that. I think of, of all these podcasts I've done with the hundreds and hundreds of authors, it truly is about our ability to create awareness that it's always there. And you state... That the book will point to how we might truly inhabit the one life we're given by getting closer to life, loving what we do, and finding what can last, and by being kind and useful. Can you comment to my listeners as to why you believe those particular elements will get us closer to the one life that we truly can claim and live? The one life yeah. we're given
1: yeah, and those those you know it's wonderful you you cite those those are the sections of the book, and there are many other ways too to inhabit or move toward the one life you're given, but for me, these have been you know very prominent and and so and they don't necessarily have any order, like any one of them will work right um but you know i think I think that the what's inside us and what's outside us, most of what we're doing living here is removing everything in the way so they can flood into each other. And by getting closer to life, and again, that's by holding nothing back, by uh, saying what's on your heart by asking the questions that you hesitate to ask because you're shy or you're afraid you might not, you might be rejected by voicing ourselves. We get closer to life. And as soon as we, every instance we do that, what's inside comes out and what's outside fills us. And you know, all you have to do is look at how we breathe, you know, um, the air between us and around us is nobody's; it's everybody's. As soon as I inhale it, it's in my lungs, but whose, whose air is it? Mm-hmm. That, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter anymore, it's everybody, and it's the same thing with our heart. As soon as I hold nothing back and try to get closer to life, then I listen to you and your story, and now it mixes in my heart with my story. And now we're both more alive. And so through that, we also, we, I, I think by loving what we do and loving whatever is before us, we engage through relationship, we discover meaning, and we start to find what's foundational, what lasts, what we can stand on that, that is unbreakable. And, and, when we do these things, when we even in a little teeny bit, you know, I think the way of life that keeps us in that river of aliveness is being kind and useful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all the traditions, you know, you know, speak about this in the Jewish tradition. um, God is known as an indwelling presence that is uh, dormant until We're doing what we're doing now until through relationship and honest conversation, it comes out. God appears. Another way that I like to think about this is through the image of a match, a wooden matchstick. We all know that flame is dormant in the tip of that match, but it has to strike against something in the world for the light to reveal itself. And our gifts don't reveal their light until we strike them against the needs of the world.
0: Well, I think that is a great segue for you. You know, in this book, you tell lots of meaningful stories, great stories, and many about yourself. And there's a story in there I'd like you to tell our listeners about what I call your basketball moment in the sun. Yes. But but most importantly, the lesson of how effort readies us for grace Explain how you believe the universe plays a role in this divine set of circumstances and your story about I I'm calling it your kind of moment in the sun in the basketball court.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I played and and this is I, I purposely bring this story up because spirit is in everything. So you know, I was I was a young teenager, you know, early teens, thirteen, fourteen, and you know, when I was playing by myself, just practicing, I think I I went to basketball because it was a peaceful solitude from the chaos of my family. And I didn't yet have any friends, I was an awkward teenager. And so there was something just really peaceful by just giving myself over to trying, trying on a, you know, in a metal rim in a schoolyard, hours at a time, trying to get that ball through that net. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, and I was awkward. And All of a sudden, finally, mostly by chance, the first time, the ball went through without touching the rim. It went just swish, just And for a moment, I didn't feel the awkwardness. I felt a oneness, a completeness. So... I know now years later that all that effort readies, whatever it might be, readies us for grace for the moment when we're just momentarily at one with everything. Well, you know, then as I played for school teams and at first I wasn't very good. And, and then, you know, between my freshman year and my sophomore year, I grew and got more coordinated. And all of a sudden I, you know, I was somewhat good. And, um, and then I was playing on the varsity team, and it was one of those things where the game was in overtime, and all the hundreds of times that I, I dribbled the ball to the corner, I had and I knew the time was running out, but I didn't really feel that, all of a sudden my body, which had done that motion hundreds of times out in the schoolyard all alone, it just automatically through body memory i ju- i didn't even really make a decision to shoot my body just said oh we know this and it went into a rhythm it shot the ball went through the net without touching the rim and the buzzer rang the game was over and of course people all around were running around me but th- but i if you can imagine that was all nice and everything but i was really alone in the crowd because i felt But I was so overwhelmed by just this moment of grace, Mm -hmm. all that effort, which you can't. So we put in effort. That's an early young example, that common example that maybe people can relate to. We put in effort and effort and effort. And we don't we can't even really control when it will turn into grace. I didn't make a decision to shoot. All of a sudden, my body, having done that hundreds of times, said, oh, we're going to do this now, like we know so well. And it just happened beautifully. And all of a sudden, that effort led to grace. Just as my father, as you mentioned, he was teaching me as a boy how to use a chisel. And he showed the care and effort of chiseling that piece of wood so you could see its inner grain and then the little wood shaving he would let he'd hold it up and let it float to the basement floor and that wood shaving floating was the grace
0: mhm you know your father has obviously had a huge impact cuz you tell A lot of stories about things that he did, yet you said you had a bit of a troubled relationship as well. You state that all of our dreams, goals, and ambitions are all kindling fuel for the heart to exercise its aliveness, to bring gifts to the world. And you state this, that your father used an analogy between the sail and the rudder, that with the sail chasing the wind and the rudder steering, once you set sail, you state that the soul is like the sail and that our will is the rudder. Can you explain to my listeners how to work with, how to work with one another to guide us on this journey? Because that's a great analogy between the soul and our will.
1: Well thank thank you and and you know it's interesting cuz you know my father we spoke different languages he was a you know he knew so much about sailing and wood and it's only years later that i hear these in a deeper context and yeah and so i think this this struggle between our will and our soul i think the proper use of will is to follow the soul the same way that, that uh, the steering wheel or tiller on a sailboat, once the wind fills the sail, which is spirit filling the soul, the boat takes off. And then what you steer it by the tiller or the steering wheel, and this, that tiller or steering wheel is our will we often think we know where we're going and there's nothing and let me be clear there's nothing wrong with having dreams and goals and working toward things but i think what all of this points to is that we hold i know i've have for for much of my life my early part of my life first half that we hold on to our dreams and goals and ambitions too tightly that all of a sudden if we suddenly think, oh, I want this, or I want to work toward this, or I've dreamt of this, we enshrine it. And if we veer off or go in a different direction, then uh, we think we're a failure. When often those dreams, as you read in that section, are kindling. You throw them to keep the fire lit. And often we we work hard at what we think we're doing, only to discover it was for something else or a deeper journey or a deeper goal. And, you know, I think that, um, we're often,
0: uh, how do you, how, how much do you think that individual souls awaken to that realization? I mean, what you just said is so masterfully said in my opinion yet a lot of times we're just not awake we're almost on automatic pilot it's like well this run. is
1: this is the journey of every human being on earth you know we learn from other people not to shortcut our human incarnation but to support us that every person has to live that archetypal journey over again it's our chance and so great love and great suffering make us awake this. They remind us beautifully and harshly at times that we're not in control. We are working with the currents of life. And a, another analogy for this metaphor is you know, if we think of a surfer. So a surfer paddles out, puts all that effort in to get through the surf, get out there, and paddle in hopes of catching a wave. And when a surfer catches the wave, no matter how long or short that wave lasts, in that though that long moment they are one with the wave that is grace so the effort leads to grace and then no wave no matter how big or beautiful or long lasts forever and then they're put back in the water where they have to paddle either back to shore or out to catch another wave. And so, very much, this is the way we as human beings, we work to take care of ourselves, we struggle through the weather of circumstance, and then all of a sudden, a wave appears. For a musician, it's when, a jazz musician, it's when all of a sudden the music is playing that person and not the other way around. In love, it's when all of a sudden we are so, uh, present to another person for a moment, we are at one with them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, in the book, you were talking about a surfer and the waves and the analogy. And you have spent time on the West Coast and you were in Big Sur and you were watching, you tell this great, what you call twin lessons from the sea story. Uh-huh. And one of them's in California where you actually see all these pelicans and sea lions and everybody kind of aggregating on the rock and the other is in australia can you tell the story and the ensuing lesson that we need to remember by the beaching of the whales and the the congregation of the sea lions seals pelicans and otters on this rock in california
1: yeah and one of the important things here is about how we learn because these two lessons came 10 years apart and uh And then, when the second one came, I realized what they were saying together so learning deep learning takes time well i was this was back in ninety eight or ninety nine um I was on the West Coast, and I finally did that famous drive from, like, you know, Monterey down to Santa Barbara, and and it was beautiful. But I was up in the beginning near Monterey and Carmel, and, you know, one of those beautiful stone little tiny islands that's sticking up out of that turbulent, rough Pacific mm-hmm. – and there it was on a windy day. And as you said, they were, every, this rock was covered. There wasn't any rock showing. There were sea lions and cormorants and pelicans and everything you could think of. And they were even lying on top of each other. And as I watched them, I realized normally they would be territorial, but they were too exhausted to fight. Over territory. And so it, the lesson was that when we're exhausted of our differences, there's room enough for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that certainly, being a cancer survivor, that spoke to me. That's what the waiting rooms were like. There were no differences in those waiting rooms. It didn't matter whether we were Republican or Democrat or what religion we, wanted or what we did for a living. So the second lesson was years later i learned i didn't see this but i learned that in near uh new zealand between new zealand and australia every year pilot whales migrate toward the south pole the arctic waters and they're driven to do this and every year some of them get beached and get stuck and this year This is a couple of years ago. 64 pilot whales were beached on a stretch of St. Anthony's Beach. And very quickly, within a half hour, tourists and people driving by, about 50 people stopped and their lives changed because they were somehow trying to help these whales get back into the water this impossible task but they put water on their faces on their backs they stay, some of them stayed all night and they managed to save 11 now the lesson this teaches and notice all these teachers are simple teachers from from nature when we can look was that <clears throat> we all are driven to stay on our journey And we all will get stuck and we will all take turns stopping to help each other get back in the deep. And also when that happens, we don't pay attention to our differences. We get closer to life. We give our all and we discover that we're being kind and useful.
0: Well, yeah, like your experiences with cancer. My eldest son got leukemia, so I know. And the hours in the waiting rooms and the times, uh, there are no differences. It doesn't matter what religion or faith or uh, whatever you have. It's all one. It becomes a unique experience where people are experiencing their stories. And I think it is that deep story. And you say, you mentioned that the less there is between who you are and what you experience, between here and out there, as you state, that your heart beats with the pulse of the universe. How is it that for me, my listeners, we can experience eternity in each and every moment, more of our minutes, seconds, Hours, days, years. Yeah.
1: So, again, for, first it's important to say I, I don't believe in a permanent state of, a, of wakefulness or enlightenment. I think being human, we, as I said earlier, open and close. We blink how many times a day? And so the heart... We go, we are wholehearted, then half hearted. But the most important thing is that we develop a personal practice of return. That when I fall down, I get up. When I'm awkward and hurtful, then I make amends and I'm caring and sensitive. That when I'm stubborn, then I return and open up and ask questions and don't rely solely on my own opinion. So I think it's. It really returns to, you know, things we take for granted but have never failed, and that is being completely present, leaning in to what we're given, and holding and listening. You know, I can honestly say there's a few things that I can say, you know, categorically always, but I can say that any time that I have held or been held, it's never let me down. It's it's always helped. And anytime I've listened or been listened to, the same thing. So holding and listening are two of the oldest tools and the oldest forms of personal medicine we have. And we often take them for granted. We often in our age resist listening and holding. And you can tell when we do, we get sick. We have the sickness of being isolated and alienated
0: most definitely now you you write your books really interesting i found this because you actually state it in a chapter you said uh, that you write your books in fragments that you gather stories and insights and you go back and weave them into chapters now that metaphor is really about how you construct your books through weaving stories and insights into creating meaning in our life. It's, it's the same kind of metaphor, just like you've been saying throughout this interview, you know, I didn't know about the whales in California and then I made the connection between the whales being beached in uh, Australia and the people saving them. What is the message about listening to our inner teacher? about well, the know, like, life we're given.
1: Yeah, see, I, and, and I, I share that story about how I work. I mean, some people might be interested in how I work creatively, but that's not why I shared it. Right. Be- I share it because it, it is revealing. I've discovered that that process is also the process, whether you write or not, or whether you do any kind of art form or not. It's the way that we discover meaning, moment, by moment. We come across a little moment and our feeling always precedes understanding. So, you know, I'm drawn to even a light on a piece of broken glass in an alley in New York City. And I say, what is it about that? And then I stop and I go look. And if it touches me, I honor it and I carry it with me. And then suddenly, like the whales and the, the rock in Monterey, then I come across someone else. I come across a homeless person later. And I and all of a sudden I realize, oh, they're like that broken piece of glass that the sun is on in in the alley. Now now those two things go together. And now I'm asked through me to, to find the meaning in those things. And it goes on and on and on until we are through our love and our care and our listening, uh, we start to to reveal the weave of life and how everything's connected through us and to us and to everything. So, you know, I think that this is where we're asked repeatedly and also to listen to our pain and our fear and our worry because when we listen to them, it's obvious that you know fear, pain, and worry—they're overwhelming. That's how they say hello,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but that's not how they stay. Unless we keep them that elevated and intense, and so when we lean in, which takes courage, after they push us away, we—they start to get right sized.
0: Well, that's a great way to actually put that. In other words, we are consumed by that. And as you say, you lean in. And I think the important thing you kept saying was listening and being aware. And I think for my listeners, it is about listening. And I just want to give you just the highest accolades for a book that will awaken people if they truly not only read the words, but take them in deep and listen. Um, Sometimes I say, after I've done so many of these, that there can be just words on pages, or there can actually be substantial meaning. Um, If you even take just passages that have some meaning for you, that's what's important. And we've been on with Mark Nepo, and Mark is the New York Times bestselling author of the Book of Awakenings. We've been talking about his book called The One Life We're Given, Finding the wisdom that waits in your soul. Mark, you said you have some events that are upcoming that you want to mention, and I want to make sure that we get links to those on the blog as well. Um, you, where, where and when and what does the schedule look like? Am yeah,
1: I- well, I have later in this month, August, and then through September. I, I'm excited. There are, are a couple of things that I'll be moving, you know, around pretty busy. But, uh, August 19 through 21, I will be giving a weekend retreat on the new book at La Casa de Maria in Santa Barbara. And in the give me that
0: date again, August what?
1: August 19 through 21. It's a Friday through a Monday. Okay. And then in uh, the beginning of September in New York City. at ABC, Home and Carpet, is actually a wonderful, beautiful salon that's in this, just above Union Square. On September 8th, I'm going to do a publication reading uh, from the new book. And that week, the 10th and 11th at ABC, I will also do um, a slightly different uh, workshop, weekend workshop, uh, focused on the new book. And in uh, the end of September, I'll be in Seattle. Uh, the 24th and 5th, doing a workshop, weekend workshop on Inside the Miracle, and that will be sponsored by Sounds True. That'll be at the Seattle Town Hall.
0: Well, what we'll do, Mark, is we'll get that information and we'll make sure we put links up in the blog um, so my listeners can make connection to those. And we'll also have a link to Amazon to purchase Mark's book. Uh, I'm sure it's both not only a hardback book, but you can also get this in a Kindle version. And Mark, it's always a pleasure having you on Inside Personal Growth, spending a few minutes with my listeners, um, imparting your wisdom, and really letting people understand that listening deeply um, does take some work, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, well, it does. But, you know, like... And I mention this in the book, you know, for as messy and difficult and beautiful as this journey is of being human, if a famous film director were to approach you as an actor and say, have I got a part for you, this, you would think it was the part of a lifetime. And it is.